Yeah, I'll tell you, my YWAM days, I, I remember those days. And um, Stephen was in leadership there um, while I was uh, new on, in YWAM in 1999, um, 2000. And Stephen wasn't uh, necessarily leading my DTS. Uh, uh, DTS is Discipleship, Disciple Training School. Um, how many people were former YWAMers? Okay. Awesome. And uh, a couple of you, I love YWAM. It's my, it's my roots. And I, I remember distinctly um, having, having uh, an attitude. I had a, you know, you can be gifted, but you can also have a bad attitude. So, you know, 95% of the Christian life has to do with your heart. 5% has to do with your giftings. And I, I remember, uh, you know, uh, skipping out on my work duties. And why wham, you have to have work duties. And, you know, and I, I thought it was so silly, guys, um, that I would have work duties because I actually paid to go to YWAM. So they're having me do work, and I'm thinking, this is so stupid. I'm thinking, this is the dumbest thing. You know, these guys, and they're falling for it. I'm looking at all these other students, and, they're, and I'm thinking to myself, these guys are falling for it. I'm no dummy, but I was the dummy. I was out skipping work duties. I was swimming while they were working. One day I go to work. Uh, you know, it's something you're supposed to do every week. One day I go to the work, my work duties, and that was to uh, cut wood, go up to the mountains and cut wood and for the fireplace. My work duties manager comes to me. His name's Colin. And this is what he says. He says, Chris, I heard you uh, received a prophetic word. He said, um, I've got some news for you, though. You're never going to make it in ministry. I said, what? And I'm thinking to myself, I thought I, thought I paid money so you encouraged me. Now you're telling me that I'm not going to make it. He says, no, you'll never make it. Because you think it's about you. It's in 1999. I'm so glad a leader had enough courage to tell the truth. We got too many people patting people on the backs, telling people how amazing they are when the truth is that they have a lot of cracks they need to work on. And so he looked at me, you know, he was supposed to be helping mentor me. And so a part of mentoring is being honest. And so he says, yeah, you're not going to make it. Unless you change your heart and you learn how to serve, you'll never make it in ministry. And so he walked away. I'm thinking to myself, who does he think he is? Didn't he just hear the prophetic word over my life? And I, I'm thinking all these negative things about him, which is really exposing my heart. Because I'm thinking it because it's in my heart. About two days go by, and um, I realize he's true. That's right. I'm not going to make it unless I change my heart. Through repentance, by being honest, being true, being transparent with Jesus and saying sorry. I've made it always about me. I've lived my life always about me. How can I serve myself and incorporate you in my life? I don't want to do this anymore. I want to learn how to serve. So I went to Colin and I, and I said, I'm so sorry. Um, I, I wasn't really... I wasn't being the Christian that I should be. 
Everyone else is doing work duties, and I'm skipping out. I'm, I'm swimming, and I've got judgment in my heart towards the leaders. I've got judgment in my heart towards other, other students, and I should be serving. And, you know, they almost didn't graduate me from YWAM. You, anyone can graduate from YWAM. I almost didn't graduate YWAM. No, seriously. <laughs> and uh, it, so I had a change of heart. You know what Chris Valentin told them? Because they asked, the leadership asked uh, Chris Valentin a question. They said, we don't know what to do with this guy. He's out of control. Uh, we, we're, we're, not, we're thinking that we're not going to graduate him. And because um, I would I would never come back for, you know, curfews. I wouldn't do my work duties and and um, I would skip out all the time. Uh, I wanted to be in charge of my life. And um, I thought I was I thought, you know, leaders were placed in my life just to make me feel good about myself. Not to challenge me to grow. This is what Chris said. Graduate him, we'll take him on. You know, Chris never told me that. Chris never told me that the the leaders had a talk with him. Between that time frame, when Chris is having a conversation, something changes in my heart. Out of my leaders, I I repent, I apologize, and then I I make sure that I serve. And I make sure that I'm there, I'm serving, and I'm giving 100%. And I want to start this time off by saying that leadership, Christian leadership, has to do with your heart. And 5% has to do with your giftings. Giftings are a very big thing, but God's looking at your heart. And if you can find a heart that's totally yielded to him, he'll pour his gifts out through your heart. A lot of people say, well, do I have to get my character all worked together? No, you just have to be devoted to Jesus. He'll develop your character. You just have to be devoted to Jesus. And, um, and so I, I made a decision that I would be a, a servant. I'd be a servant leader. So after DTS, YWAM, I, I literally took it literal. Like, God wanted me to serve. So I, I said, I'll take a job as a waiter. So I worked two jobs at a restaurant. And I just served tables. God teach me. You know, I'd, I'd hone in. I'd focus. I want, you to, I want you to think about this word tonight. Focus. Focus. I, I would hone in and I would focus on serving. And um, that's all I'd do is serve, serve, serve. And, um, and I was asking the Lord, God, what do you want to do in and through me, through serving? And uh, I had an encounter one night um, while I was in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. That's where I'm originally from. So I, I moved uh, back from California where I did my DTS, Chico. Went back to St. Louis, serving waiting tables. And then I have a dream. In the dream, I hear an audible voice. And the word of the Lord comes to me audibly. Now, I've heard testimonies like this, but this has never happened to me before. And God spoke to me. And I was a young man, 21 years old. And, um, and God spoke to me, and he said, you will be moving. But he never told me where I was moving to. And, um, and so I, I sought him, and I, and I said, Lord, you spoke to me. 
Um, I've read throughout the Bible how you speak to people and how you speak different ways. You spoke to me. Where am I going? And he said, go to the school of supernatural ministry. It's time for you to get equipped for what I have for you to do in your future. And what I learned in the school of ministry is uh, playing out my life right now. And what you'll learn here in the ministry school will play out in the future of your life. My, my question for you tonight as we start this off is how much do you want to learn and how much do you want to grow and how much do you want to impact other people? From the life of Jesus, we see Jesus did three things. He had people learn, he had people do, and then he had people teach as well. We call it discipleship one-on-one. You know, he had people learn from him. Then he had them do what he was teaching. And then he had them put it into practice. And how much do you want to learn and grow this year? That's completely up to you. When I went to the school of ministry, I, I was not satisfied with just going to the school. I, it cost me something to, to move to um, Redding, California from St. Louis. It cost me something. I hope it's cost you something to be here. Because one thing I know about free things is when you get stuff free, there's no value. And if you've gotten scholarship here, uh, uh, you should probably be the leading student. You should probably value it so much that you, you're an individual that's showing up on time way before you know, class even starts. You're asking, hey, where can I serve? What can I do? How can I help? And you're lending strength. As a school ministry student, one of the things that I, I wanted to do is I did not just want to settle for average. I wanted extraordinary. I wanted to excel. You have to understand my past, dyslexia, learning disability. Had all the can'ts in life. All the can'ts. Had all the excuses. Had, had all the, the, if you will, the facts that said this one will never amount to anything. After all, that's what my teachers told me as well. And I remember having to work through something of what my father told me when I was around 15 years old. He said, I wish you were never born. And I, I, I remember all these things and, and, and leaving St. Louis, something gripped inside of my heart and my life. I said, I'm going to give 110% to everything and to my future. And I knew that God was calling me to get prepared for what he had for my future. I believe that this school, if you put 110% effort into what you're receiving, and you learn and you put into practice everything that any speaker has come and placed here and given something to you, put it into practice and you mentor other individuals, you will grow massively. You will grow massively. One of the things that I did as a student is I always was on time. Always look, how can I serve? How can I serve? How can I serve that person's vision? How can I, how can I begin to dream with that person? And, and one of the things that I did is I adopted Bill and Chris. They were my leaders, and I adopted them. My assignment for them was to become their personal intercessor. That was my assignment, is to be their personal intercessor. My main objective when I got up in the morning 
when I begin to seek God, was to begin to pray for Bill and Chris. It was my job. It was my assignment. And I began to seek the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul. And then I began to dream. Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says this, He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. The word peace means shalom. And when we have peace with God, the creative imagination is unlocked in our minds, and we begin to dream with him. And as a student, I begin to dream about my future. I begin to dream about God using an ordinary individual that society said that I was a failure. I'd never amount to anything. Teachers told me that I'd end in prison, end up in prison. And, um, but the truth is I did go to jail a couple times. But that's where I met Jesus. And that's where my life changed. As I met the man. Jesus. And for the very first time in my life, I felt value. I felt significance. I felt loved. I felt forgiveness. I felt life. I weighed 400 pounds at the time. And um, his life came inside of me. He brought me out of darkness and he brought me into his life. And, um, and he began to change and transform every area of my life. So back to the school. So I'm in school, and and um, so that was when I was 18 years old when I gave my life to Christ, and and um, so I'm in school, and I'm just dreaming with God, dreaming with God, and and I wanted to go beyond what was asked of me. If you really want to grow, go beyond what's asked of you. Don't settle for average. No one wants an average meal. No one wants an average life. Society teaches us. Average is a-okay, but I'm going to tell you this. Average does not bring change. Average does not bring change. And I, I begin to pray prayers that, that Bill prayed. I said, I'll pray those prayers. I'll adopt those prayers. That'll become my prayer. And I begin to dream. And my assignment was to seek God. And um, he says to seek him with all your heart and you'll be found. And so on earth as it is in heaven, I begin to pray prayers. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And um, one of the things that I, I discovered is I really began to see myself differently through prayer. I began to see my future differently through prayer. This idea of encouraging hopelessness is toxic. This idea of Allowing people to stay in doubt and unbelief is toxic. Every time I went to prayer, you know, the Bible says, if you go into your room and you shut your door and you pray to the one that sees you in the secret place, you'll find him. 
will be there. And so I just began to dream. I said, God, I'm just a young man, 21 years old. What do you want to do with me? This is what society said about me. But I think the word of God says something different. I think your word says something different. And I just began to dream. And so funny, because as a young man, 21 years old, I, I said, I'm going to speak at this church. I'm a student. Don't have a title, don't have a position. I said, I, I need to be on that pulpit. I'm going to be helping lead things here. I'm going to help. I'm going to help create a culture. I don't have a title. I don't have a position. I'm going to be a part of something. And I remember on Mondays, what I would do on Mondays is Monday was my day off in school, but to me it was my assignment. It was an assignment to read my Bible, pray in tongues, read my Bible, pray in tongues, read my Bible, pray in tongues, read my Bible, pray in tongues. And what I did is I, I had a systematic approach on Monday. Pray in tongues for about 45 minutes. Like it talks about in Jude, like it talks about in Acts chapter 2. And then I'd, I'd read my Bible. Pray in tongues, read my Bible. And then what I'd do is I'd preach. They say, well, no one's there. I said, I see him in my heart. I want to say to you, I saw you when I was 21 years old in a little room when no one else was there, but it was just me and God, but I saw you. I saw you. And I, I would begin to preach. I'd prepare, I'd practice. I reflect and I repeat. I did those four things. Prepare, practice, reflect, repeat. Prepare, practice, reflect, repeat. Prepare, practice, reflect, repeat. Somebody says to me recently, Chris, I want to grow in the area of evangelism. I said, well, do you got a job? No. You have any responsibilities? No. You in debt? No. I said, perfect. This is what I want you to do. If you really want to grow... I want you to share the gospel to 100 people this week. I want you to be so persistent. I want you to invest in this. Because if you invest in it, you really will grow. So whatever you're wanting to grow in, if you focus, keyword, if you focus in on the area that God is calling you to grow in, you will grow massively. What happens a lot of times is people get so distracted in life. There's so many options. We got, we got iPhones here. We got so many options. But what is that one thing that you know that God is talking to you about? What's that one thing that he's highlighting? If you focus in on that one thing, I promise you, my friends, you will grow. Hey, this is just a little introduction right now before I get into it. So I would just, I would dream, and I would, I'd just dream and believe and dream and believe, and then I'd preach. It'd be funny sometimes, guys, that I would, I, there's no one there, but I'd welcome people. It's like, you know, seriously, I, it was like I would stand behind this pulpit. I would sneak into the Bethel sanctuary at times. No one's there. I saw something in my heart. 
what do you see? It's like I was going to a sneak preview, like a movie theater, but it was all in my heart and what I saw, and I just dream about it. And I'd sneak into a room. I'd preach. I'd say something like this. Well, it's great to be able to see everyone here today. God bless you. Today, I'm going to talk about the kingdom of God. I'm going to talk about how God wants to move in miracles, signs, and wonders through your life. And I look at a person in the back, and I said, the spirit of God's upon you. The Lord's anointing you right now. There's something that's happening in your life. You feel that fire upon you? The spirit of God's upon you. And I'd say, hey, and the Lord's touching you. No one's there. I just see it in my heart. You say, that's crazy. No, it's not crazy. Streaming with God. What do you see? I saw myself preaching at Bethel. I said, that's silly. I said, no, it's dreaming with God. Before I ever preached a crusade in the natural in Africa, I preached it in my heart in my prayer closet. Before I ever led someone to the Lord in the natural, I led them to the Lord in my prayer closet, dreaming about witnessing to people over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then there was a suddenly turning point in my life. Ah, faith. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I dream about it in my heart of laying my hands on the sick and seeing them recover. And I dream about it. I think about it. I'd quote scriptures. I'd memorize scriptures. I'd I'd prophesy over myself. And then, ah, something happened in my heart. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then as soon as it happened in my heart, what I did was I said, now I need opportunities. God showed me the opportunities. And then my eyes and my vision opened up in the natural. There's an opportunity. 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 It's like there's opportunities all around. So much possibility all around. Start in prayer. Sing from your heart. Can we do something? Can we do a little bit something not script? Can we can we get a little get a little bit off the script a little bit? Can we can you can you get on the drums really quick? Can you get on the drums? Can you get on the piano really quick? Uh, uh, can we get that uh, bass player right up there? The guitar, come on, get up there really quick. We're gonna do something off script right now because I feel something right now. You guys, you guys doing good? I'm doing good, too. <sighs> you put your best beat down. Go for it. Feels like. 
down to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to come for all who mourn in Zion, to counsel those who mourn in Zion, to give the beauty for ashes, or all the joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Okay, this is what we're going to do. I want you to dream big right now. I want you to dream big. I want you to dream big for your future. I want you to see something in your heart. Through the lens of heaven, I want you to see yourself the way that Christ sees you. And I want faith to explode in your heart that it's possible. What would happen if there was no fear in your life? The fear of man, the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, the fear of disappointment. What would you do? What action would you take? What would you do to this week? If fear was not controlling you, if fear didn't have a hold upon your life, what would you do this week? Who would you impact? I want you to see it. scripture over you. Arise and shine for your light is coming. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Isaiah 60 verse 1. Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all that you ask to think according to the power that works within you. Philippians 1.6, be confident of this very thing that he began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. John 1.12, as many as received them, he gave them a right to become a child of God. You're a child of God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life lives inside of you right now. It is the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of word or talk but power and demonstration. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon you for the Lord has anointed you to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. They come for all who mourn and console those who mourn in Zion. They give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It is Christ that works in you both in the will and the do for his good pleasure. your hand on your heart. I want you to say this. Today, I'm making a fresh commitment to eradicate any fear in my life because of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of my life. going to change in my life because I'm seeing myself the way that you see me 
today. I'm not giving myself a hard time anymore. Because you're not giving me a hard time. You see something great about my life. You put gold inside of me. Let's flip the script. Some of us have bought into a lie about the script over our life and God wants to flip the script. Faith. Faith to see from heaven's perspective. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the one that wrote about your life. So right now, I pray for a Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I prophesy to your spirit, man, that you're an individual that has set yourself apart to diligently seek God with everything that's inside of your heart and your life. You're one like Ezekiel. You set your face like flint. Like Flynn, you're not an individual that wavers. You're like Joshua. You're an individual that is strong and courageous. You're an individual that strengthens yourself in the Lord, just like David did. You're like a Samuel. You hear the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord awakens you in the morning, and you're attentive to the voice of God to obey the word of the Lord. You're like a Deborah. There's no fear inside of you. You've overcome the fear. Spirit, I pray right now that as this night goes on, God, I pray, activate, 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 activate faith, 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 faith to see from heaven's perspective, God. I pray for that, God. I pray for gifts of faith to come on people right now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I pray for ministries to be birthed tonight, Lord, that you have birthed ministries, God. Holy Spirit, come, God. Come like a fire. Come like a fire. Come like a gift of faith on people's lives, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Awesome. Give these guys a hand clap. I want to share with you um, some practical things that I think is going to help you. I've got about probably about 10 hours a teaching that I'm going to try to um, get in in a very, 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 very short amount of time. And then uh, let's have some, we'll have some Q&A as well. And, um, and we, will, we will do our best to go very, very fast. I'm going to talk about eight, eight, uh, eight phases of discipleship really quickly, and then I'm going to talk about some other things as well. Um, and now what I'm going to be sharing right now, it, you can find in... And the Gospel of Mark. I would encourage you uh, to dive into the Gospel of Mark. Um, and whenever you see something in the Bible, put yourself in those shoes. And I want you to feel the emotion of faith. Um, I want you to feel the emotion of faith being called. The emotion of faith. The significance of being called. I want you to feel the emotion of being seen by God. Let's, um, let's discover here and... Um, 
And uh, Mark chapter 1, some cool things about discipleship. Verse 1, it says this, or I mean, verse, uh, verse 16 of chapter 1, it says this, And he walked by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. A first phase of discipleship is being seen. First phase of discipleship is being seen. And, and let me just say this really quickly. Discipleship does not start after someone repents of their sins. Discipleship starts by when you see someone and you have a heart for them. So these guys were seen by Jesus. Verse 17, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Here's something we need to understand. That when we are seen by God, when God looks at us, he sees us from a perspective of love. His ultimate desire is to be with us. He sees us, and then he calls us. We see that, um, that the disciples were called. And then they had an opportunity after being called. And, and this is the opportunity that each and every one of us have. And it's responding to the call. First phase is being seen. Second phase is being called. Third phase is responding to the call. So here's these guys, they're, they're uh, starting to follow Jesus, but Jesus never told them where they're going. But he did give them a promise, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. Here's what I know about discipleship. Here's what I know about following Jesus, is when we follow Jesus, he makes us become who we are really created to be. But it requires faith for us to step out of the boat. And to follow him. Verse 18, it says, Then immediately they left their nets and followed him. They left their nets and followed him. The fourth phase of discipleship, if we will, if we could call it phases, is what do we need to leave behind to pursue what God is calling us to do? Focus. I remember when I went to the school of ministry that I had to let things go. I had to let go of distractions. Nowadays, we live in a society that we, there is more distractions than there ever has been before. We have multitaskers that think that they're actually accomplishing a lot by trying to do a lot at one time, and they're deceived. And I have been deceived at times by trying to multitask. But here's what Jesus he says. He says, follow me. And if these guys really wanted to follow Jesus, they had to let go of some stuff. I promise you, I promise you that if you are pursuing what God has called you to do, some of us have to let go of something. Some of us have to let go of distractions. The thing that I had to let go of, and there's been a couple phases in my life that I've had to let go of things. First phase of my life is the need of approval. The need 
of approval. Moving from St. Louis to Redding, California, I had to let go of the need of approval, being approved by everyone, being accepted by everyone. I learned early on in my discipleship following Jesus that if I was going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, I could not be a man pleaser my life. I had to let go of things. And what I discovered is I had to let go of some relationships. Some relationships that were toxic in my life. The way that I look at relationship is if I'm in a relationship and I'm mentoring someone and I'm pouring into someone, that's different from someone that is my companion, if you will, that is constantly being toxic. So if I'm mentoring someone, I can speak into their life and say, hey, you know what, you're better than that. But if it's my peer and they're always trying to, if you will, bring me lower. Or if it's someone that's over me that is always telling me that I'm missing it. I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. Or, uh, you know, don't go there. You're going to miss it. Or don't do that. Don't get out there, Chris. That's a little bit extreme. Don't dream too big, Chris. Don't dream too big. Just settle for less. That way you won't be disappointed. A lot of times that's what people say without saying it. I knew I had to leave some distractions behind. Disciples had to leave some distractions behind. They had to leave their their net behind. They had to leave what all they knew behind. Verse 19, it says this, and when he had gone a little bit further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who was also in the boat mending their nets, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee with the boats, with the hired servants, and went after him. Throughout the book of Mark, we see some things. We see the disciples becoming students. They become students. They become the best learners that they could be. And they they had first-hand experiences. First-hand experiences. I want to encourage you to become the best learner that becomes the best doer, that becomes the best teacher. The best learner that becomes the best doer that becomes the best teacher. So they became students. The fifth phase. And And then they became doers. And then they began to make other disciples. They began to pour into others. And then we see these 12 disciples, the 11, and then the new one, became disciple makers that made disciples, that made disciples, that made disciples. I, I, I want to encourage you as I ask you this question, who are you discipling right now? Who are you purposely pouring into? 
Who are you purposely pouring into? Throughout life, we need to have people pouring into us. We need to have peers that are strengthening us. But we are created to pour into other people too. And a lot of times what I see happen is when there is a lack of focus of pouring into other people, oftentimes what happens is people feel unfulfilled. But what they don't realize, it is in their DNA to multiply. It's in their DNA to give away what they have learned. If I learned something, I, I, I've become aware of like, oh, wow, if, if this is really something I've learned, I actually have to put it into practice. And then if I put it into practice and it becomes a part of my life, then I've got to teach it to someone else. And I believe that there's a multiplication here tonight of multiplying, multiplying, multiplying what God has placed in your life. I want to share with you some some other things that I believe that will help you. And that is um, 11 keys that will help you develop a lifestyle of sharing the gospel. 11 keys that will help you develop a lifestyle sharing the gospel. And before I get into that... um, I'd like to open it up for some, some Q&A. Maybe we'll have a, a, a few minutes of Q&A, and then I'm going to share 11 keys that will help you um, uh, develop a lifestyle of sharing the gospel. Can we, can we do some Q&A? And then we'll dive right into this. All right, so uh, we'll go around and do a couple uh, Chris, you just let us know when you want to transition out. So just a couple things. This isn't time to preach. How many preachers we got here? Yeah, it's okay. Right. That gifting wants to emerge. I get it. So really ask Chris a question. That's, that's the Q part of the Q&A. Okay? Awesome. Thanks, guys. And, and what, uh, when I give you the mic, just say your name so everyone can hear. Hi, I'm Luke. Um, my question was just like, uh, could you just quickly be, go over the last four of the uh, of the eight? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it is uh, leaving behind distractions, becoming a student and a learner of the word, being a doer of the word, making disciples. And then becoming a disciple maker that makes disciples that makes disciples. Does that help? Cool. Other question? Not everybody at once, please. I mean, come on. You're making me nervous. Um, my name is Chris. Uh, my hey, is, we've got some things in common. We do, yeah. <laughs> I'm also from Washington. After, or I guess that was the other guy. Never. No, no, no. I'm 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 Washington now. Okay. Oh, cool. Awesome. Cool. Let's Good have a conversation. That's great. <laughs> um. So my question is, you talk about the need for having people pour into you. Um. What I'm wondering is, is serving a leader, uh, like the key? to unlock the door to getting somebody to pour into you? Because honestly, to me, sometimes it seems like it's really hard 
if not close to impossible to find, you know, not just a sermon on YouTube or going to a school or something, but to actually have somebody, you know, like take you under their wing to really pour into you. So is like serving maybe the thing that perhaps myself and many in my generation lack to sort of like unlock that door? Um, if so, if you could just kind of expound that, and if not, like what is the thing that really, I guess we can do as a young, you know, millennial generation to really, you know, get somebody to be pouring into us and thus be able to, you know, get that cycle going of so that we can grow and learn and then be able to pour into others? No, it's an incredible question. I think I think this is a, a question that is needed in this hour. Uh, how many people would consider themselves a millennial? You're under a certain, okay, you're a millennial. Great. Okay, here's, here's, here's what I would uh, say to you to that is um, it first starts in, in prayer. First starts in prayer. I remember praying for years. God, I need mentors. I need mentors. God, please give me mentors. And there were times in my life where I remember crying myself to sleep. Literally crying myself to sleep. And I said, God, I feel so alone. I'm studying your word, but I need people. I need people that, that are able to invest in my life. And I would go to church. And one of the things I would do is I would look for, if you will, leaders that I admired. And I gleaned from them. And so... I, I would not despise what was already in front of me. That's, that's something you have to realize. Don't despise what is already in front of you. Don't despise the opportunities that you already have to glean from people. Even though you may not have a conversation with them, eat up everything you can. If, it's, if, the, if the only phase that you're in right now is YouTube um, or going to uh, uh, mess, uh, churches, Eat up everything. If it's reading books, eat up everything. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, have, um, I, have, I was at Bethel for 18 years. And I know students that sat runner, right under Bill's teaching. But I know people that have never even went to Bethel. That has devoured everything Bill and Chris has preached and they are more discipled than individuals that were actually really close to them. Because they valued something. They devoured it. And they put into practice everything that was spoken of. So the first thing is, I, I, first thing is, is I want you to value what is already presented in front of you. Devour it. So if something is given to you, uh, receive it, pray over it, and then say, how can I put this into practice? But then understand that God knows what he's doing in your life. God knows what he's doing. God knows how to get you to the place that you need to be. And so trusting God, when I would cry myself to sleep, at the end of the night or at the end of the day, I would say, God, but I trust you. But God, I trust you. I feel so lonely, but I trust you, God. I feel, I feel all alone, but I trust you, God. Help me. There's something about our dependency in God. 
anchored in God, saying, Lord, I trust that you, not man, you called me. I'm not being called by man, but you called me. But at the same time, I believe that you're going to put people in my life, God, and I need that. So I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And then I discovered, oh, my gosh, there's people around me that are amazing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to serve. They don't know me. They don't know me. They don't know anything about me. But I'm going to treat them as if I'm really connected to them. I'm going to value them. I'm going to treat them. I'm going to pray for their families. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for the ministry. I'm going to find out facts. How can I pray for them? Where are they going? I'm going to dial it in, and I'm going to pray and intercede. And in the spirit realm, connection is built. And I noticed something. I noticed something around Bill. I noticed something around Chris. There was an ah moment. When they began to get around me, they were like, wow. I don't know why we like this guy so much, but we like him. I spent hours on my knees. I spent hours praying and interceding for them. And then there was a time where just favor. Whoever you are inspired by, you pray for them. Whoever you want to learn from, pray for, intercede. Become their personal intercessor. And then take a step. Take a step too. Don't be afraid of engaging with people. John Maxwell would say this. If you found something in someone's life, what he would do is he would actually book a time out with them. He would plan his vacations around leaders that he wanted to learn from and grow from. And he would take out of his budget a certain amount of money for his vacation. Him and his wife would fly to a certain location, and he would spend one hour with an individual that he wanted to learn from. And he would take notes. He would, he would be ready to ask questions. He would like, he's ready. He's coming prepared and after that time he, he would leave that meeting he'd say okay who's the next person I want to meet with who's the next person I want to connect with I would say be prepared to meet people be prepared to be poured into be prepared because I know this is there are fathers looking for sons that are secure. And there are mothers looking for daughters that are secure. Something happens when you pray. I hope that helps. Ultimately, it's trusting God. Moving forward, trusting God. There are some people in my life right now that, that I, I want to be around. I don't have the opportunity right now, but I will. I will. I think God is developing confidence in the body of Christ. Oh, I will. Now, and that's not an arrogance thing. 
It's a confidence thing. I have not been called by man. I've been called by God. Hi, my name's Sean. Um, I was wondering, how could we get in any format the bamboo farmer or faith that... Come on, Sean! Did you have to ask me that question? Sorry. No, um, let me say this really quickly. Um, A faith that sees... Um, I've got these. If you want to fill this out, what I'll do is I'll, I'll give you guys, um, uh, I'll give you a, a, a free chapter or so for Faith That Sees. And then if you want to be a part of our, our team that is getting the word out, uh, we'll give you the whole book. We'll just give it to you for free. And so um, raise your hand and we can get a team that, that will give this to you. And, um, and we'll get you. And then we also, if you want to fill this out, we'll also get you a free discipleship material too. Just uh, all kinds of free discipleship material that will just get into your hands. We'll give it to you for free. And uh, to answer your question about the bamboo farmer, I'm really sorry, but you'll never read it. It's not for sale. It's a personal book to Bill. So it's not on the market. I could sell a lot of them. Well, that's not why I wrote the book. I wrote it for one person. And I wrote it to inspire other people to think about who's impacted your life and how can you show them gratitude. Could be a cool book, though, to sell, but I'm sure I'd sell a lot, but that's not the purpose. Okay. One more question, then we'll, then we'll jump on. Man, I just feel like I, I just want to. I want to. I want to speak all night, guys. I just want to keep going. Hi, I'm Megan. So, <laughs> so I saw you in the one of the Darren Wilson movies. Was it Furious Love, maybe? And you were in the street. Is this true? You were like in the street, and there was like a preacher, and he had a mic thingy. And he was, like, telling everybody they needed to get their life right or they were going to go to hell. And then you talked to him, and he gave you the mic, right? That yeah. was you. I'm not making that up. Okay, cool. Um, I think it was Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. It was something, yeah. Was something. Sorry. I don't remember which one it is. I'm so yeah. sorry. Um, so ever since I saw that movie, I've been wanting to ask you this question. Um, because it was the first time I had seen someone step into that and, like, do it in love. I felt like you really did that, like in love, but you also had this fire under you to set the spirit realm right on that street. So my question is, when you, what was, one, what was going through your mind? Like, what was God telling you and showing you in that moment when you did that? And then secondly, what happened with that guy afterward? Do you remember? This is a totally off-topic question, and you can be like, forget it. I don't want to talk about it right now. I understand, but... Yeah, I don't. I don't mind talking about it. I um, just trying to remember. Um, I just, to be honest with you, I just saw a microphone in his hand, and I thought that was pretty cool. And I, and I, I was like, man, I, I just want to preach the gospel. So, <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, you know, that's that's what it was. And it wasn't that I was trying to diffuse anything. Now, the, maybe the mu- the movie looked like that, but to be honest with you, I was just. I just saw an opportunity, and I just wanted to, to preach Jesus to people and to tell people that Jesus loves them. It wasn't to uh, debunk what he was doing. It was, it was just I, I saw a microphone, and I thought, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to go for it. And, um, 
And so I, I've, I've asked for other people's microphones as well. And, um, and uh, it was just, I just saw a microphone and I thought this would be a really cool opportunity uh, to preach Jesus. Uh, what happened to that man? I just told him how much Jesus loved him. I just uh, I appreciated him as my brother. Now, I didn't necessarily um, necessarily agree with maybe the approach, but I, I love him as my brother. And um, so I just I just told him, God bless you. And um, and so that that's what that's what happened. I just saw a microphone. And I just wanted to be able to preach. So that's the that's the honest truth. Okay, maybe one other question. Um, I was going to ask, uh, so like how do you, from your experience, go from like uh, evangelism encounters to like raising up mature disciples from those encounters and things of that nature? Yeah, you know, that, that's a really good question. Is over the years I've had the honor and privilege to, to mentor a lot of people and um, to pour into to individuals. And I, I've always I've always thought this way is if I want to grow, I have to be intentional myself. And so I've always uh, looked at like when I'm growing, I want to take people along with me when I grow. And um, and so what I've always done is I've looked for people who are highlighted. So I, I would say, God, who are the individuals that you've called me to invest in? So as I'm growing, as I'm stepping out, I'm saying, God, who are the ones that you've called me to pour into? Because I know your word says to make disciples. And I know that we see biblically that, that Paul had a Timothy. Who are the ones that you've called me to pour into? And, uh, and how can I invest in them? How can I help them succeed? How can I see them grow? And so I would pray. And I'd say, Holy Spirit, who are the ones you've given to me? And, um, and then as the Holy Spirit begins to highlight different people to me, I would say something like this. Hey, I meet with some people, and I have like a, a small group. I just meet with people, and I pour into them, and they ask me questions. I ask them questions, and then we, then we go out on the street sometimes. Do you want to be involved in this? And um, it's just like that. And then, and then those meetings, I'll just, uh, we'll, we'll just show up and say, hey, guys, what's God doing? What's God saying? Um, any, what's, what's happening? And what I'm doing is I'm discovering where they're at. I'm discovering where they're at. I'm discovering where they're at in life. I'm discovering where they're at in their spiritual journey as well. So I'm listening. And um, so I'm not doing all the talking. I'm just listening to them. And then, um, and then I take them on a journey. And, um, and then we'll maybe go out on the streets. And then I'll demonstrate. And then they watch. And then I'll give them an opportunity as well to do it. And then I'll back away, and then they'll, they'll take it, and they'll just go for it. And, and then it becomes like almost a coaching relationship. It's almost like a mentoring-coaching relationship, discipleship relationship. I say, yeah, you know, that was really good. Uh, how about this next time? How about try that approach? Or how about do this? Or I'll say something like this, you know, what you were doing were really, was really good, but that just wasn't the gospel. It was good what you said, but that's not the gospel. Good heart, not the gospel. So I'd bring a little bit of correction in as well. And I'd take them on a journey. 
And I think everyone needs to, uh, you know, when we're talking about stepping out sharing our faith, everyone needs to know the gospel. I serve on a team um, of evangelists, uh, 32 evangelists uh, across um, America and across the nations, and uh, 32 evangelists that work together. And the one common theme that we've noticed in America, in our international travels, is out of these 32 evangelists like Daniel Kalinda, Todd White, and many different other individuals that serve together, the one common theme is there are many people that do not know the gospel, nor do they know how to articulate the gospel. So they confuse prophecy with the gospel, or they confuse something else with the gospel. And so giving feedback to individuals and say, that's really good, but that's not the gospel, helps them understand, ah, okay, so I can sharpen that skill. I can develop that skill of sharing the gospel. And I'm going to jump into this in just a moment on, on 11 things that will help us develop a lifestyle of sharing the gospel. How about we do that? Uh, what time? Uh, where, where, where am I on time? What time do I need to be doing? Okay, I'm going to jump into these eight things or these 11 things really quick. And then, and then I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to turn it over to Sean. And we'll jump into some ministry time. Eleven keys that will help you develop a lifestyle of sharing the gospel. Key verse I want you to write down right now is Romans 1.16. Let's read this. Romans 1.16. Verse 17. Verse, uh, verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. It's very important that if we're going to share the gospel, we must understand the gospel. And the gospel is uh, very, very simple. And I I can share this slide with you guys. But God loves us. He created us to be with him. Our sins is what has separated us from God. Sins cannot be taken away by our good works or our good deeds or our money. But there is someone that took away our sins, and his name is Jesus. He paid for it. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus hung on a bloody cross, and he looked into the future. He saw you and I. He says, I love you. I love you. I love you. Every ounce of blood that was shed for you was shed in love. But Jesus didn't just die. He rose again. So he died and he rose again. And everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ repents of their sins and turns to Jesus Christ shall have life. And life starts the moment we say yes to Jesus Christ. I've, I've heard other individuals uh, say something like this. Well, you just need to receive. Uh, and they're talking to individuals that don't even know uh, the gospel. And this was you just need to receive God as your daddy. Now, that sounds really good in the church, but that's just not the gospel. This is making sense. Just have God as your daddy. Pray with me for God to be your daddy. That sounds great. They go away. Oh, I prayed for someone to receive God as their daddy. What does that mean? They don't understand the gospel. They'll go, they walk away and say, oh, I, I prayed to have God as my daddy. 
What does that mean? Understanding the gospel is essential. So understanding the gospel is the, is the first key. And throughout the New Testament, we see it clearly, and we also see it in the Old Testament. It points us into the New Testament. The second uh, a key that I, I believe is going to help each and every one of us uh, share uh, the gospel as a lifestyle is develop a heart of compassion for the lost. How do you do that? By asking. By asking. Asking God, God, give me your heart. I want your heart for people. I need your heart for people. Give me your heart. How do you feel about them? What do you feel about these individuals? How do you see them? I want to see them the way that you see them. I want to love them the way that you love them. For first is understanding the gospel. And then having a heart for people. Feeling the heart of God for people. Third thing that I want to share with you is let your compassion lead you into action. The very love that you have for people, let it lead you into action. Don't second guess, just obey. We live in a society that we want to impress people. You look on Instagram, any social media, it's all about impressing people. And we live under pressure to impress people. And, and oftentimes we have fear-driven motives that we don't even realize. That we're, we're, it's like these, this fear is controlling us. Remember being at the Leaders Advance in Redding, California many years ago. And there's a song that um, is sung, I want to be where you are. You ever heard that song? I want to be where you are. And God spoke to me. He says, if you really want to be where I am right now, leave. I want you to go to the neighborhood. And I want you to share Jesus with someone. Now, you have to understand something. I'm in a leader's events. All these leaders are there. And I'm wanting to be there. But I hear the Lord speak distinctly to my heart. Leave. Go to apartment complex. Knock on this apartment door. Number five. That's where I'm at. My hands are up. I'm surrounded by leaders. And the Lord is saying, do you really want to be where I'm at? Leave. And I had to battle, and everyone has to battle the opinion of men. I had to battle, what are these leaders going to think about me if I leave? After all, I'm on staff at Bethel Church. I'm the evangelism guy. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to serve. But I'm having this inner battle. Have you ever had that inner battle before? And then all of a sudden, it's like God keeps speaking to me. Leave. You really want to be where I'm at? Leave right now. So what I did is I, I got another pastor, and I said, hey, listen, <laughs> from Canada. I said, hey, the Lord is speaking to me. Um, I said, he told me to go to this neighborhood about 20 minutes away to knock on a specific door. Never been to the store before, but I saw it very clearly. And I have time to talk about um, different ways that God uh, can speak to you uh, prophetically. I think, you've, I think Blake was here just recently. Um, but it was uh, very clear. I knew where I was supposed to go. And so I took a pastor with me. And we would go to this, um, this apartment. I knocked on the door. 
Um, young lady walks to the door, and she's got two kids. And um, it appears that she's really struggling. And I said, excuse me, um, my name's Chris, and tonight I was at this church, um, Bethel Church, and, and while in worship, I, I felt God speak to me to come here. And, and I asked her, I said, is there anything that we can be praying for you about? Uh, has anyone ever told you what it means to be born again? She says, no. I said, no one's ever told you what it means to be born again. And she says, no. And I said, do you mind if I tell you? And so I begin to explain to her what it means to be born again from John chapter 3 about Nicodemus, the Pharisee that came to Jesus at night and asked him about all the miracles that Jesus is doing and how Jesus responded by telling Nicodemus, who spent a lot of time in church, temples, and, and said, most assuredly, I say to you, must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Don't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So I began to explain to her that what Jesus was saying, we've all come from our mom, but there's another birth, and it's a spiritual birth, and it's a, it's a birth that changes our inner being, our heart. And I begin to explain the gospel to her. And, and I said, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? She says, yes. Do you believe that he died on the cross for you and rose again? She says, yes. I said, do you believe that he has the power to forgive you of your sins right now? She says, yes. I said, is there anything that's holding you back right now from giving your life to Jesus Christ? She says, no. And I said, well, I want to pray for you right now. And she prays, and she, she prays to receive Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior right then and there. And then one of her daughters has this plastic little purse, and she drops it. Well, the pastor that I brought with me, God spoke to him earlier that he had a certain amount of money that he was supposed to give away. And once he saw this little plastic purse dropped to the ground, the Lord spoke to him and says, it's them. He picks up this little plastic purse and, and he puts all the money into the purse and hands it to this um, single mom. And she's undone. She's overwhelmed because God not only knew her spiritual need, but God knew her practical, physical need that she needed at the time. And let me just say this as someone that has come out of poverty as a very young man. I, I remember growing uh, up with my father and, um, and my mother, and I remember at times uh, people would deliver groceries to her house. I remember um, my dad um, not knowing when we were going to have food. I remember people delivering groceries to our house. And I remember as a young man, why am I diving through the dumpsters collecting cans? And why is my garage full of cans? I didn't realize that we were poor. And here's one thing that I know about God is God loves seeing people's spiritual needs transformed, but he also loves seeing people's practical needs changed and transformed as well. And the fourth phase is honoring people. If you can live a lifestyle of learning how to honor people, you will set yourself up with a lifestyle of the gospel being presented through your life. Look to honor people. Go out of your way to honor people. The fifth key is have faith and the power that is in the gospel. 
of a friend of mine, he says, um, his name is Richard Song, a uh, former intern of mine. He says, Chris, I've seen uh, people get, get healed. And he says, I, I've seen people get healed. But Chris, I thought that you had to have a prophetic word for someone to get saved. Or I thought you had to see a miracle for someone to get saved. He says, Chris, you share the gospel with people and they start weeping and crying. And then they repent and they turn to Jesus. What is it? And I said, it's the gospel. It's not me. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that prophesies the gospel. That testifies to the truth. He says, I learned from you, Chris, that the gospel is powerful enough. Brought him a trip with me, and he, he, we saw all these miracles, these signs and the wonders. It was incredible. But one of the things that he was astonished by, because he didn't see happening all the time, is the amount of people that were getting born again just by sharing the simple gospel and tears coming down people's eyes and, and weeping and crying and repentance and turning to Jesus. And I said, it's the gospel. It's powerful. And we have to have it all. We can't just heal the sick. We can't just prophesy. We've got to have every part of the gospel. We've got to have the truth of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Guys, you're getting me fired up right now. Okay, the sixth thing is know your Jesus story. Every one of you have one. Know your Jesus story. Acts 26 Paul knew his Jesus story. He knew what his life was like before Christ. He knew what his conversion was like. And he also knew what Jesus was doing through his life since his conversion. I want you to do this. I want you to write out your Jesus story. Not right now, but write it out. Know your Jesus story. What was your past like? What was your, what was your conversion like? And what has Jesus been doing since your life? And the reason why is because uh, when you get in conversations with people, people are going to talk, you're going to talk, and your Jesus story can come up. Every one of us have a Jesus story. If we can talk about the weather, we definitely can talk about Jesus. Okay. The seventh, seventh key. Trust that the Holy Spirit is the best evangelist. And he is the one that testifies the truth that is being shared. He's the best evangelist. Reinhard Bonnke is not the best evangelist. Billy Graham is not the best evangelist. They are just vessels. You think of the, the most famous evangelist that's impacted you. I promise you, the real star is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Because no human being has the ability to change someone's life. To take murder out of someone's heart and put compassion in them. No human being can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can. Okay. Number eight. 
Be consistent in sharing your faith if you want to grow. Anything that you want to grow in, just be consistent. Just be consistent. You know, I told the young man, I said, if you really want to grow, you don't, you don't have a job. This has got to be your job. You're not working. You get support. This has got to be your job. Make it your priority. You know, going to school, this is your job. The time that you have right now, this is your job. Which leads me to this point. After I graduated school in ministry, I had a conversation with Bill, and I was in his office along with one other individual. And we were having a conversation, and Bill, Bill was sharing some great insight. He was encouraging us. And he looked at us with his eyes of love and compassion, but I saw the lion inside of him. I saw the lion. And this is what he said. He said, guys, I want to tell you it's no longer preseason. This is the real game. Play like it's really the game. You're in the game. Play like it. And what that conversation did to me as a young man just says, okay, I thought that I was uh, intentional prior. I'm going to take it to a whole nother level. Because when you're a student in, in the environment in Redding, California, everything is, everything is provided for you, the schedule, everything like that. But once you're not a student, you've got to learn how to take it to another level. They're not gonna, no one's going to be there to, to tell you how to have a devotional life. No one's there uh, to tell you to do certain things. You have to have it in your, in your DNA. And if it's, if it's not in your DNA to, to give 110%, then um, there needs to be a DNA change. So Bill, when he spoke to us, it was like, oh, wow, okay. I have to be even more consistent. I have to be intentional. Not out of a, a works thing for my identity and my acceptance for Christ. You've got to get this. There's a big difference. But be from my identity, from being a child of God, I'm going to work really hard. Is this helping, guys, by any chance? Is this helping at all? It's um, something that I just have such a passion for people to, to understand. And, and um, consistency is powerful. If you want to grow in anything, just be focused and consistent, and you will grow. So it, you'll grow over time. Okay, the, the, the ninth thing is understand the difference of sowing and reaping. You've got to be okay with sowing, and you have to be okay with reaping. Understand in a conversation, not, not every conversation is a reaping conversation. Oftentimes, people come to me, and they say, well, Chris, I share with them, and they got angry at me. So I'm not really called to be an evangelist. They yelled at me. I'm not called. This isn't, this isn't for me. And I listened, and I was like, Okay. Yeah, you've only done this a couple times. Don't you worry. The more you step out, 
the more results you'll see. It's like praying for the sick. The more people you pray for, the more get healed. The more you share the gospel with, and you present the gospel, you share your story, the more people get saved. This is true. And by the way, can I tell you a funny story of YWAM? I remember sharing with someone, this was kind of new for me, out on the streets, and this guy said he, he, he had a demon in him. Now, this was, no, mind you, uh, charismatic circles and stuff like that was kind of new for me. And so I didn't hear of demonic activity growing up or anything like that. And um, so I saw this guy, he had a, he had a demon in him in, um, on the streets. And he, he told, after I told him that Jesus loves him, he turned around and he says, I'm going to kill you. And I said, ah, I didn't mean it, sir. Sorry. I didn't mean it, sir. Please don't hurt me. And, um, and, and, I, and then I said, no, no, Jesus really does love you, but please don't hurt me. And I ran away. But I am so glad that I did not quit there. Because that's the early days. I'm so glad that I, that I, didn't, I didn't say something like this. Well, I guess this isn't for, for me. By the way, I don't think that I was a born evangelist. Meaning I was not uh, just right when I got saved preaching the gospel to everyone. I was afraid to wear a Christian t-shirt. But the more I obeyed, the more confident I got. And consistency is powerful. The more I stepped out, the more confident that I got. And, and I began to realize, wow, God, you, you really do want to use me. Okay, I'm going to go really fast right now. Understand the difference between sowing and reaping. We said that. Uh, pray for your heart and the eyes of your heart to be open for the ones that are prepared. Pray for your heart and the eyes of your heart to be open to see the ones that are prepared for the harvest. Sometimes I can look at someone and, and say, wow, as I'm sharing with them, they're ready right now. I can sense the spirit of repentance coming on them. I can sense God's timing on their life. They're ready to receive Jesus Christ right now, to repent of their sins and turn to Jesus Christ. So pray for a heart in the eyes of your heart to be open to see those who are prepared. Last thing that I want to share with you right now is be obedient to the word of God and what God says. And whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, do not delay, just obey. Do not delay, just obey. Whatever God tells you to do, just obey. I want to end with this testimony. I was at a church, and sometimes God always tests me with favor. Who's ever been tested with favor before? You're around people, and, and then your, your attention goes to people. You're like, wow, you know, this is awesome. And then God, God somehow tests my heart, and will test your heart too. Look different. But I know what he tests me with. He tests me with significance. It got very quiet. 
So I'm at this church. I was flown out to speak at this church. I'm very excited about it. And I'm getting ready to speak, and it's in worship time. And once again, God says, lead the church. I'm thinking, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? They flew me out, and I'm, I'm having this conversation with God, and he says, leave the church. He says, I want you to go to this apartment complex right behind the church, and I want you to pray for someone that is in pain. I said, are you kidding me, God, right now? Can't, can't we do this a little bit later? This is the conversation I'm having with God. And he asks me these questions. Do you love me? He asks me these questions sometimes. Do you love me? And obey me. Do you love me? And then I said to my heart, okay, okay, God. Because I don't want to end, I don't want to lay my head down at night knowing that I disobeyed God. You know why? I know what that's like. And that feeling going to bed at night, knowing that you knew God spoke to you and you did nothing about it, is disheartening. And I've been there. But this is what I've learned from it. If I repent, God will give me another chance. He'll give me another chance. There's been times where I did not obey God. And I want to tell you, to be honest with you, this is what happens so often with people. They hear God's voice, and they're like, no, that's not God. Or, oh, well, God will let me have another opportunity. And they do that consistently, 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 consistently. And then what happens with them not even realizing it is their heart is hard of the word of God. Their heart becomes hardened to the word of God. And they're not even realizing what God is saying because their heart has become so hard because they will not obey his word. And I've seen this over the years. I've seen people more gifted than me, more talented than me, individuals that had way more opportunities than me to grow. But they did one thing that prevented them from growing. And that's watching over their heart and not obeying God's simple word. So I said, okay, God, I know what it's like to lay my head down at night. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to obey you. That feeling, I don't like that feeling of knowing I should have done something and I didn't do it. You know what I'm talking about? That stunts your growth. What helps you grow is obey. So I, I said to the pastor, I said, would you excuse me? And I took one other person with me who is a, a former student that I mentored. Her name is Ann Evans. Ann Evans is around 60, 65 years old, incredible woman of God. And, um, and Ann went with me, and we knocked on this door. After the, it took, took me a couple times to find the right door, but I found the door. Knocked on the door, and I said, excuse me, by any chance do you have pain in your body? I'm at this church, and I felt like I should leave and pray for someone that was sick. And she says, I am in excruciating pain. 
I was, I just had surgery and I was praying just a while ago. Oh God, would you heal my body? Oh God, would you heal my body? I said, well, the Lord spoke to me while I was in worship that I should come here, lay my hands upon you and command all the pain to leave your body. The Lord is going to heal you right now. So I laid my hands on that dear woman and I prayed and the power of God came on her and she was instantly healed by the power of the Holy Spirit of Christ. And I walk away and I said, thank you, Jesus, that I'm sensitive to your voice, that I can obey you. Thank you, Jesus, that my heart is soft, that is a gift from you, that I can hear your voice and I can still obey your voice. God, thank you for that. Because I learned this, that I cannot be a leader that tells people to do stuff and I myself not do it. I can't live with the very fact to encourage other people to take steps of faith and I myself am not doing it. So let me pray for us and then I'm going to turn it over to Sean. Then we're going to some ministry time. Could you put your hand on your heart? Learn, do, teach, focus. 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 What is God teaching you right now? What are you learning? What is he asking you to do? This is the question. What is he asking you to do today? So he's asking you to do maybe something he's been asking you over, over quite a while. Do it. Do it. Trust him at his word. Do it. And then who can you disciple? Who can you pour in? Who can you teach? Learn to teach. Focus. Lord, I pray for that. These four words. Learn, do, teach, focus. To be ignited into their heart. Lord, I pray for fruitfulness for everyone here. I pray for multiplication. I pray for the encouragement of the Holy Spirit to come upon each and every one of them. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way in them. God, I pray even tonight, ministry time, that you would so encounter them. In the mighty name of Jesus.